We're often told to weave storytelling into our podcast interviews, but it can feel kind of confusing on like how to make that happen. I mean, do we have to tell our life story? Do we have to tell stories about clients? Like how do you actually do it? So I chatted with podcast expert Graham Brown of Pickle & Co. They're an award-winning corporate podcasting agency. And I really loved his approach to storytelling. He calls it agile storytelling. And he shares his process, the outlook, how it influences and affects the psychology of people listening. And he also shared his three-box storytelling technique and advice on finding your start before your why. So let's take a listen to our chat. So, hey, welcome to the Leverage Your Podcast Show. I'm your host, Lindsay Phillips of smoothbusinesspodcasting.com. My goal is to help you leverage podcasting to skyrocket your visibility, authority, and business by sharing insider secrets from podcast industry experts, including myself, who have created a successful business through podcasting. So let's dive in. Hey guys, it's Lindsay with uh, Smooth Business Podcasting on the Leverage Your Podcast Show. And today I have with me Graham Brown, the owner of Pickle & Co. It's an award-winning corporate podcasting agency. And they're pretty cool. They're like AI-powered. You have so much knowledge, Graham. Branding, storytelling, you're an author. And I love what we're going to talk about today is storytelling because I feel like it's such this big buzzword that one's like, ooh, but then they don't know mm. what it means or what to do with it. Could be a little bit disempowering, kind of a bit overwhelming. I know. People. And we were talking earlier and it's like, for me and other people too, I'm sure it's like, okay, storytelling in a podcast. Okay. That means I have to tell everyone my story of how I came to be, my trials, my tribulations. It's like, and that doesn't, sell products and services no. so it's like can you help dispel some of those myths yeah I, I hope so and thanks for the invite to the podcast and i like what you say about your podcast the bit that goes podcasting can seem confusing at times i'm reading your description by the way but it doesn't have to be and i like yes. that bit because i think people are confused and you probably see this as well people come to you reach out to you hey what do I do? How do I start? A big part of it is maybe, like you say, that people feel a sense of imposter syndrome. Hopefully we can talk a bit about that today. Yeah. Imposter syndrome. People feel, you know, maybe I'm not Joe Rogan and, or, you know, I don't have his kind of guests on my podcast mm-hmm. or, you know, I'm not Elon Musk. So who's going to listen to me and little old me, my story. So hopefully we can address yeah. that because... There's a big space in between, isn't it? Which is Absolutely. You know, a lot of people out there who have stuff to tell. I know. To me, I'm like, as long as you're sharing information that's going to help one or two people and it's going to help mm. them better their thing, whether it's weight loss or podcast production or whatever, is like, I just want to, and it's fun. Honestly, it's like podcasting is fun. But I, yeah, you want to yeah. help people propel their business and their life and improve them in some way. So how, like, So what is storytelling to you? Like, again, it's not Mm. necessarily my life story of my trials and tribulations and what I've overcome. Yeah, I mean, there are many ways to define storytelling. Lots of books written on it. I think even Harvard Business School have courses on this thing. Oh, probably. That's how, you know, it's something that 
the C-suite should be doing, and I'm sure they're getting their credits for doing these courses. But <laughs> what is storytelling? It's really, I mean, we all know from when we were kids, gather around, you know, when you gathered around and they took you on a magic carpet ride. They took you to places. That was the magic of stories. It was very much that sense of make-believe, wasn't it? And then we grew up at some point and we started I suppose we were motivated more by fear. We started editing ourselves and maybe oh, so true. We, we didn't really commit a little bit more of ourselves to that story, hit publish, maybe just backed off a little bit, maybe just made it a little bit more middle of the road. And all that make-believe disappeared. You know, yeah. Those kids, they make-believe. And my son, I remember when he was like five or six years old, went to a birthday party, he went dressed up as a pirate i mean like kids love being pirates yeah. don't they what a what a cool thing to be a pirate make believe you know that sort of swashbuckling world and yeah when we grow up we kind of edit it down we're fearful I know. so the whole point of what storytelling is it's really about how do you create those connections with people because that's what people really want that's what they want that involvement they want that connection it's an overused word but they want authenticity. No, they want to know the real you. So the first thing people are going to do, hopefully maybe after they listen to this podcast with us two, is go and look at the about page on the website. That must be the most trafficked page, isn't it? People want to know who you are. Yeah. What are you about? What are your views on X, Y, Z? Or how did you get into this business? That's what storytelling is. It's a, an invitation to take people on a journey. And that's how I define it. And, you know, it isn't just once upon a time. Yeah, that is yeah. the stories we remember, the three little pigs and all that. But, there are, you know, whether it's selling iPods, as Steve Jobs did, iPhones, raising money, selling, you know, we're all in the business of selling or hiring. Mm -hmm. We're all telling stories at some point. That's true. And I guess, like, you know, the story doesn't necessarily have to be your trials and tribulations, but um, it can be why, or I could share stories about my clients and their successes mm. and what they've overcome or how they've improved X, Y, Z. Um, I'm a very like logical person and I'm kind of like how to's like, if I have a problem, here's a solution. So I tend to like steer away from the stories only because that's the way my brain is built. Mm. But I totally understand like, yes, you need to relate to people on a human level. Yes, you need to connect and they need to relate to you and feel something towards you. And so like, how do you weave that in naturally without it feeling weird? Mm. Without it feeling fake or forced. Yeah, yeah. It's what people are very sort of tuned into that now it's interesting what you say lindsay like you say you know that you're a logical person so maybe you're you want data facts you want to see the how-to the steps the prescriptive process and so yeah. on that telling us sharing that with the audience already that's a story you've already told a story true. about yourself true, because true. really what stories are think of stories as it's like a map you know like think of the map on your wall or the last time you saw a map of the world, mm -hmm. it's a Makeda projection, guaranteed. That's probably the one that you saw at school, right? And it's the same, isn't it? You've got Canada and America here on the left, and you've got the rest of the world on the right. And that's a representation of the world. You're basically giving people a framework to understand the world and how it looks. Mm -hmm. 
in the same way that you shared with us, I'm a logical person. In the same way, anything you say about your, your company, your product, your service is a story. Oh, You're giving okay. people a frame to understand the truth about what you do. I'll give you an example. Some time ago, I used to teach storytelling to startup founders. As you can imagine being a startup founder, you're mm -hmm. raising money, you're always telling stories. And that may be, you know, here's our data product. This is what it does. That's a story. You're helping people understand it. Somebody came up to me, one of the, um, the cohort came up to me afterwards and said, Graham, I don't want to tell a story. I want to tell the truth. And I said to him, look, Alvin, I call him Alvin. I said, if you don't tell me a story, I won't know what your truth is. Ooh. And that's the reality is that we understand the world through story. We may not recognize it as a story, but right. everything that we're seeing, everything we're interacting, all value about your app or your consultancy is shaped and influenced and then filtered to us through the story that we understand it by. So your ability to give something a story is a way to frame data okay. that has no meaning in itself. So that's really what it is. I think people shy away from story thinking it's some way of fabrication of the truth. And yet yeah. really what it is, it's an enhancement of the truth. A very good example, we've all seen it recently, is flattening the curve. You remember that at the beginning of the thing, the pandemic that yeah. we've all kind of gone through. Remember that flattening the curve thing that came out? You know, help everybody understand how COVID can be controlled and dealt with. And that flattening the curve chart was a story. It basically said to us, these are the behaviors that we expect of everybody. This right. is the past, present and future. Good guys, bad guys. And you can imagine, how do you communicate with hundreds of millions, maybe billions of people mm -hmm. through one simple chart? That's mm -hmm. the power of a story. And so if we think that story is kind of like fairy tales and make-believe, we kind of miss out on the point that actually it's a very powerful way of communicating to people value. And that can be data as much as it can be, you know, wizards and dragons, which is the sort of extreme on the other side. Yeah. But they all share similarities. That totally shifted the way I think about it. And it's almost like when you said framework, like you're, you're building this box around it and mm. this ability to help un people understand the data, the process, whatever that is, that helped shift my brain a ton. Now you have a phrase, agile storytelling. Now, what is that? Yeah. And how is that different? Agile storytelling is how do you take an agile approach to telling stories? Because we were chatting about this, Lindsay, beforehand that most people think their story is not worth telling. I think 99% yeah. of people think that, and that's fine. And one of the reasons is that if you've lived an interesting life, I think you've lived a messy life by fact, right? With the fact that, you know, it wouldn't have been great if you graduated high school and said, hmm, you know, I'm really interested in flying planes. And then you went to university and started aeronautics and then you got an internship at Boeing. And that's all you ever did all your life was design planes and fly planes. Yeah. Thing is, I've never met anybody like that. No. I've always met people, 
and I speak for myself, you know, graduated with an AI degree, taught English in Japan, traveled the world for a bit, started a communications company. And you look back on it and you think, that's a real mess. And then you hear people you A to B. <laughs> to C to D. Yeah, yeah. yeah all seriously. these kind of like pivots. That's really interesting, isn't it? That's kind of how we live our lives. And you see these TED talks and you think, well, this guy's just got it made. He was born to do this. The stars mm -hmm. were in alignment for us. And mm -hmm. so that's the 99% of people. We see this 1% and we think, well, we're just not interesting enough. You know, we didn't find oh, so our true. why. And it could be quite, I think, frustrating. Agile storytelling yeah. is really saying, you know, you don't need a finished book to have a story worth telling. You mm -hmm. can get started now. And a lot of the inspiration for this came from stand-up comedy, which I very much admire stand-up comedians. They're I look great at them and people, think, wow, man. Have you seen those guys like get on stage and just get heckled and like oh, just yeah. stay cool? How do they do that? That's just a lot of practice. Yeah. I was looking, I was listening to um, Jerry Seinfeld. He, he's, you know, probably one of the, the legends of stand up comedy, totally. even though he's sort of semi retired or retired now. But he, there was a picture of him that's circulating on the internet sitting in front of what must have been about 10,000 post it notes that he put all over the floor. He said that since the 70s, when he started stand up, he's kept every single joke he's ever done. And he's kept them like in a Rolodex, you know, in these files. <laughs> Could you imagine like, there's this joke from 1983, and, you know, it's about a wedding or my mother-in-law or whatever. And he's kept it. And that's, uh, that's the whole process of testing. So when you go on a podcast, I say to my clients, like practice the 80-20 rule, which is 80% usual existing content, your refined content, your, your set, mm -hmm. your, the stuff you're really good at, you've worked mm -hmm. on that you've, tested, you know, people understand it and then try something new, try a different way of delivering it, a different way of telling the story, different language and get the feedback. Yeah. So if I say agile storytelling and people are like, you know, crickets, this like sound of silence, like I don't get it. Then I get that feedback and I think actually maybe people don't understand that word. I'll try right. something else. But if you say to me, yeah, I'm really interested in agile storytelling. That's a bit of feedback. Yeah. And I think, okay, that worked. So I roll that up and then just keep test, 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 keep, get on stage, commit your story to an audience and get feedback, get on stage. Every single podcast is a stage, an opportunity to mm -hmm. test. And that's the only way you're going to get better at this thing is just keep committing and facing the moment of truth, face rejection, you know, not just you know, tell your coworkers or your family and go oh that's great i like that story you need to get real feedback right yeah and that's where you get better in that uncomfortable zone or outside the comfort zone that's true and because not everyone either is like quick on their feet or can just pivot in any conversation they're like no i need my five questions so i know how to answer them <laughs> and it's like yeah. it doesn't some people it doesn't come naturally some people can chat some people go off way tangents so it's like I like your 80, 20 rule and like, and kind of testing and seeing the feedback. Cause you're right. I've been mm. on podcasts and I think I'm going to talk about all of this. And then all of a sudden they're like, Ooh, wait, that thing you mentioned, let's talk more about that. And so mm, I'm kind of mm. like, Oh, people, I, I didn't think people would be interested in that one thing. And so I'm like, maybe I should talk about that more 
or mm. change my talk a little bit. Do you know what I mean? To weigh that heavier. So I like that in getting feedback. And it's not like your podcast has to be this one talk and it's like the script and it's mm. unchangeable. I've never quite Some thought of it that way, that. like testing yeah. and getting that feedback in your storytelling or your talk. Yeah, it's ongoing. You know, it, the, it's just a lot of practice. If you look at people who appear really effortless in any mm. discipline, whether it's podcasting or stand-up comedy or musicians, they're on stage and they're effortless, but that's thousands and thousands yeah. of hours of rejection, which we don't see, right? I know. We don't see that. And I put it out there to all, you know, prospective podcasters, whether you're guesting or you're starting your own podcast or in the process of growing your podcast is take every opportunity to get on stage and don't throw away opportunities, which appear small. So for example, even if a podcast has a hundred listeners, get on it and practice share you'll get better you know like these stand-up comedians they'll go to you know the dive bars where yeah, you've yeah. got five people in an afternoon because they want to practice yeah. everything you know you've got to understand in podcasting yeah. there's two two real factors here the intrinsic motivations and the extrinsic motivations and the extrinsic are the obvious ones like how do i build my personal brand thought leadership create a funnel etc but the intrinsic ones are storytelling because that skill is the prime mover. That's the big force multiplier in all business. If you can become better at storytelling, you become better at everything. Mm. You know, whether that's sales, hiring, raising money, copywriting, podcasting, whatever it is, you become better at everything. So use that opportunity to practice. And I find like, just with what you said, like you have more impact on people, or would you say that you have more influence on people? If you're better at storytelling? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Influence or impact? Influence or impact? I think, well, definitely influence. Mm -hmm. Because storytelling, where well, you think about the world of marketing, it's all storytelling, right? Yeah. You know, the best marketers ever were those that sold soda. If you think about the skill in being able to sell fizzy, sugary water, which is... <laughs> That's what it is, right? With a bit of coloring and caffeine in it. That skill, I mean, you know, that's the real pure element of storytelling where there is no, there's nothing that separates you from the next guy. There's nothing, yeah. nothing that separates your service from the next one. You know, there's no barrier to entry. There's no, nothing that you have access to that they don't have. So you can really see the ability to influence people through that. And it is a very powerful way, even, you know, talking about soda, there has been a lot of psychological research on storytelling. If you read the, um, the books by Dan O'Reilly, who talks about, um, how the neuropsychology, the neuropsychological level of the brain shapes influence and perception of products, brands, and so on. It's really fascinating. If you, I don't, like if you're of an age, you may remember the Pepsi challenge, right? Yeah, Do you totally. Remember that? You know, it's like they used to be these actors in a, in a grocery store or yeah. supermarket, right? And they would drink A and B cola, right? And they would always kind of do the reveal and like, oh, the one that you said tasted better? I know. It's Pepsi. Shut you remember up. that? Yeah. All this time I've been drinking the, <laughs> the worst tasting <laughs> cola. So damn, I've been tricked. But you know, the interesting thing about that, even though Pepsi told 
is that it tasted better than Coke. And it does because, you know, neuropsychologists have tested it. And in more cases than not, people say in a blind taste test, mm. Pepsi tastes better. But the interesting thing is that blind taste tests only work with blind customers, right? Yeah. That people, you know, if you go back to the um, predictably rationally book, they tested uh, students. They always test students in these things because they need the cash, right? They don't care. Just like <laughs> feed me these things and I'll do your experiment. So they tested these students. They did the blind taste test. Yes, Pepsi tastes better. And then they asked them, okay, we're going to change this round, but I'm going to give you the colas, but you're going to see which brand is which before you drink it. Exactly the same, but they knew which brand they were drinking. And they said that Coke tasted better by a factor of four to one. Wow. Four to one. That's weird. So even though people say, oh, I'm not influenced by story. Mm, come on now. The actual expectation of the brand, the story, yeah. had shaped the experience at the neuropsychological level. And Interesting. that's the important fact is that and Seth Godin, the It's like it changes your DNA about, or something. <laughs> yeah, it changes the chemical constituency mm. of the reactions in your brain. So even if we think that this is kind of like this fluff, it's actually changing how we experience the world. Mm. And that's the power of story. That's the influence part. And so if you can influence people, you can impact people yeah. as well. For sure. Absolutely. I love that. We've come full circle. Now you have the three box storytelling technique mm. um, in helping, you know, influence, lead people. Um, can that be applied? Maybe you can touch upon that. And can it be applied to podcasters in, in sharing their story? So the three box storytelling technique is really simple. It's break your story down into the past, the present and the future. Mm. And I know that's nothing amazing in terms of a reveal for your audience, but it's amazing to what extent we miss that opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And even when people tell this a story, it doesn't have to be about themselves. It can be about how you launch this product that normally what people would do is they would tell it past, present, future. You know, I was doing this and then I found this and I created this and I built this and this is what I want to do next past, present, future. But that's not, if you were a director of a movie, Lindsay, that's not how you would tell the story, right? No. Imagine if you, opening scene, you know, the opening scene, there's a dead body on the floor, you know, and then a woman drops a gun and she runs away. She runs off into the distance and it's like, oh, what happened there? And that's the attention grab, something dramatic. There's a, there's a real sense of dissonance or, you know, like disconnect or unease. Yeah. Like what's going on? You want to know. And then the natural next step for the director is to take us back. Mm -hmm. How did we get here? So that's the natural instinct to go back and say, well, boy met girl at college. This is when they were getting on. Everything's going well. And then, you know, that kind of yeah. builds back up into this scene. So the point about three box storytelling technique is to really break that down. And rather than say past, present, future, you do present, past, future. Mm -hmm. You give them the problem. This is where we are now. This is the dead body, folks. We have a problem. And that problem could be, for example, you know, you may be a consultant and your consultancy may be helping people with being overwhelmed with data. Mm -hmm. So the problem is you could talk about data lakes and data security, whatever it may be. And then you could talk about how we got here. Why you? How did you get into this space? 
you know, when I started off as a patisserie chef and then da 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 da, I became a data scientist, whatever it may be. <laughs> That's how you got here. And what did you bring to the story? What is your way of thinking that makes people yeah. trust you and think that this is the right way to go, that you understand their problem? I think a key point here is that, you know, a great way to demonstrate connection with an audience is not to switch expert mode on. Yeah. But to switch empathy mode on to say, Look, I really understand your problem, you know, leaning into the problem. That's, this is a real opportunity to do that in that sort of second scene is say, look, I understand that you're a business owner and you want to build your personal brand, but maybe, you know, the problem is, is that you're not Elon Musk or, you know, you might feel disempowered, et cetera, et cetera. That's leaning into the problem. And then the future is painting the promised land, which is, this is where it can take you. Right. You know, this is the transformation that needs to happen. And if you, if you think the three box story technique is, is used in thousands of years of books, movies, yeah. theater, myth, it's everywhere. And, yeah, and you know, I put it to everybody, your listeners, that if you want to get really good at storytelling, don't try and create a story that's new. Try and create one that's familiar and mm. just leverage familiar. You know, you don't have to be, um, don't create a new plot line. You just take an existing plot line and change all the actors. Yeah. And don't necessarily. Because it is true. We default to the linear approach, right? Like, all right, let's start at the beginning and then mm. like work our way up versus like, well, books and the rest of the world do it a different way to, like you said, invoke curiosity and kind of build that tension. And people are kind of like waiting for the next thing. Um yeah, you, you don't get that when you're reading, don't you? If you that? like download a book from Amazon, and now like you download a book from Amazon, it's like you read the first two pages, it's like nope, next first two pages, nope, next. That's yes. the reality now. That's all you've got. I so know. if you say like the first page is like, let me tell you about myself. It's like yeah, next man. out. So that's true. the problem. That's the attention economy, right? You have yeah. to you know, be uh, aware of how it impacts people's, you know, bandwidth to interact with us. Yeah, true. Now, I also like what you say about find your start before you find your why, mm. which seems counterintuitive because everyone says, figure out your why and then move forward. Yeah. Why do you debunk that? Well, I don't think that it helps us does it when we're kind of stuck mm. trying to find our why i it's a bit like uh we, we do celebrate the survivors if you like in the successful ones i mean we look around if you think about you know who are the kind of role models for entrepreneurship and you could probably name a few on your one hand, you know, you've got Elon Musk's and you've got the Mark Cubans on blah, 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 all these kind of people. So you could name them and you then think, well, those guys are really good. Look at me. I'm, you know, I'm not a billionaire yet. So I'm still just hustling away, trying to pay the bills. Like, why would anybody listen to me? Mm -hmm. And that then becomes the moment of doubt that why, should you get up onto stage and tell your story and you look around and you see the find your why right um content out there and that can you know to stop you before you even start the process sure but i would put it to everybody this is that most people who found their why didn't set out to find their why they found it by mistake true enough they found it 
You know, there's, there's a, it's what um, the Danish philosopher Sharon Kierkegaard says that, you know, we live life forward, but understand it backwards. It's like, you know, you're reading a book and you don't understand the, what the book's about until the last chapter. Mm -hmm. That kind of, you know, it, it gives it all context, doesn't it? So yeah. And you're like, if you oh. have to kind of wait, yeah, it's like, oh, that's what she was all about. That's why she mm -hmm. murdered him. All that that's kind why of all thing, that right? crap happens. Now I get it. <laughs> yeah, you get it. It's like you've got to stay to the end to, to see what it all meant. But that's yeah. the context. And we don't really understand things. You know, Steve Jobs talks about joining the dots. And if you look at his life, for example, mm -hmm. he didn't start out to create mobile phones that no. changed the world, right? He started out designing fonts or magazines, right? Dropping out of high school and just out of university and just having a good time. You know, there was no why in that. There was just a passion and just following yeah. your instinct. And a journey. So, you know, the, the difference between just doing that and actually doing it in a productive way is having a process. You know, finding your why is kind of the end product, but the mm. start is really start the steps and keep testing in an agile way. And then you can make progress. You're not just going to keep drifting off right. down rabbit holes of interest. So I can encourage everybody to get started and put it out there yeah and makes more sense for me you know i was always struggling with the fact that i studied ai but was running a podcast agency and for years and years i didn't understand why and i didn't understand and if i didn't understand my clients wouldn't understand why right mm. and therefore the only way to get through that was to keep putting it out there keep putting it out there and keep testing it and eventually joining the dots on it you know, look at everything that I've done in my career has been about storytelling and influence and understanding human behavior. And right. that's how they all come together. So they're like yeah. two sides of the same thing, right? Interesting. Yeah, you're so right. And sometimes your journey and it's like, how did you get from A to B? And then you realize mm. kind of like the purpose, the why. And yeah, you don't start a business. You may start a business with your purpose, but it can be hard to come by. And I mm. would hate for that to make people hold back or not take action or not start a podcast or not start a business or whatever mm. that may be that it will come. So that's very free. Yeah. Do you only really understand when you start getting out your comfort zone and, mm -hmm. you know, that's the key here. You could, uh, you know, if, if you think about, personal branding, for example, and building it is that you could, you know, you could spend a thousand years posting on social media and get nowhere. Mm -hmm. Because you know, the casino of attention is gamed against you, right? The house always yeah. wins. But if you create a podcast, start building an asset, attracting a following and a tribe of people around you, they will then help you find that why they will then help you make sense of things because they'll reach out to you. This is what you yeah. get with your podcast, I'm sure. And I get Absolutely. with mine. Random people, I know they don't Find think you. they're random, but the, the connections yeah. reach out yeah, and say, hey, Lindsay, that episode you did about whatever, is hit me here. It's like, wow. And you don't even know that you said, oh yeah, I've been listening to you for yeah. the last three years. And you're like, what? <laughs> Every <laughs> podcast. <laughs> and I follow you everywhere. Those, those kind of connections, that's the authenticity at scale yeah. that you can create with a podcast that you cannot get anywhere else. And only you, you can't sort of start with that 
level you can't start at that level you can't say i want to build this tribe and i'm going to build this community and it's going to be about this it happens very organically but you have to start yeah and that's why you know you've got to with a podcast you've got to commit to the long term uh, you've got to you know it's the whole storytelling process is not a destination it's a life skill yeah yeah you, know, you don't so do true. this for two years you do it because it's going to affect everything in your life not just yeah. business i love that do you coach your clients about storytelling when you um launch their corporate podcasts like do you weave that into uh, your branding would, or yeah you- yeah like more on technique as opposed to yeah. because you know you know, when you're dealing with these large corporates, there's not mm. a lot of bandwidth in this. You know, you can't say, you know, I want to, I want you to change that logo, the yeah, bank yeah. logo. That ain't going to happen. No. But what you can do, the coaching is more like the delivery of it. Yeah. How do you, you know, as a, as a human voice for that management consultancy or that bank, how do you express yourself in a human way mm-hmm. without firstly being, wooden you know being scripted and secondly you know going outside the guardrails which is what you know you've got this comms person hovering here and they're wondering like don't say hashtag whatever you know so you've got to give them those kind of safe spaces to work with so that's the coaching part is to say this is how you can do it and this is how you can be human and connect Mm -hmm. and check all these boxes for the brand comms and yet at the same time retain that authenticity otherwise you know people if you just make it into a sales message people are just gonna you know again yeah, it's like the first two pages wash. they're off yeah do you find it more challenging with court like with corporate to get them to weave their storytelling in versus like an entrepreneur doing their podcast just out of curiosity no, that's an interesting people question. are people and it's because I feel like people corporate people. sometimes you feel like it's more stiff and mm. they've got like professional guidelines and like sometimes with the corporate, there's not like a person behind the business. So it's, but then you look at Coca-Cola mm. that totally paints a picture and makes you feel certain things. So yeah, I'm just kind of curious mm. on your, your take on that. Well, they're different. Yeah. I, with, with entrepreneurs, I work primarily on podcast guesting. So they've got a lot of bandwidth there mm. and you know, the, the cycles they work on, their attitude towards risk and experimentation is very different. True. With a corporate, obviously you have these existing uh, existing bandwidth and parameters, right? But I, I find, Lindsay, that with corporates, there's a much bigger uplift for a host or a guest who has, you know, firstly, they have a lot of content yeah you know if for example they've been in corporate long enough they have a lot of experience they've seen what's broken there's some great contacts they've written white papers research reports so they've got all of that they're not like oh i need a product to sell you know the company's done all that Mm -hmm. for them and they've created the brand so they've taken all that away so they have a lot of content um traditional channels for them are quite restrictive like you've mentioned so when they get onto corporate onto podcasts that can be a major uplift for them you know this is like wow yeah and they connect with they can talk to you talked about for example showcasing customers success Mm -hmm. right as a story that's a great way for them to do it in a very authentic way absolutely so there's a huge uplift potential with corporates which i think i really enjoy they just kind of need what we call the green lights and guardrails 
which is like, you know, mm. give them, you know, they, these corporates, these corporate leaders, they don't want more budget to do this stuff. They just want more air cover. They want the guarantees that if we give them this parameters to work with, to talk about these subjects, that they're not going to get into trouble for doing it. Right. Right. You know, that's all they want that those kind of that air, that air covers so that they can really talk in a human way. Yeah. And when they do that, that's like a real release. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is the first time they can talk about these things or like really connect mm. with people. And I, I really enjoy seeing that because that's yeah. kind of like you create that little bit of human magic, which may not exist necessarily in traditional. Yeah. Um, communications. I agree. That's the beauty of podcasting. And so obviously you help corporates and you have your guesting um, side of the business as well. So we will have links in the show notes, but tell everyone mm. um, how they can find you. Yeah. I mean, I would say go to uh, my personal website because all the jumping off points are there. Yeah. Um, go to Graham, grahamdbrown.com. Graham D for David Brown. Without the D, it's a wallpaper website. <laughs> Graham Brown. Graham and Brown. That's all right. right. No, wait, you're going to go there and you're going to think. sandal maker. So there you go. Oh, is <laughs> you just wish you were earlier in the domain name registration game. <laughs> you could have sat on that thing, right? I was thinking about that as well. I was just probably a couple of years late on that one. Yeah. So Graham D. Brown. Yeah. And then you can see all the stuff about podcast guesting, about storytelling and about podcast agency as well. You can take your pick. Yeah. Perfect. Well, I appreciate you having on. And I just realized I was so caught up in our conversation that I forgot to pause to share my favorite tool and my pun. So I will just quickly share my pun oh, so that we can end with a laugh, Graham. <laughs> So are you ready for this? this expectations. Yeah, expectations I know, right? Are the expectations bigger than the reality now. All right. So how much does a chimney cost? How much does a chimney cost? Nothing. I don't know. Like, how am I supposed to? Nothing oh. because they're on the house. <laughs> Is that a pun? That's a good one. Come on. Is that a pun or just a, just a, a dad joke in disguise? I know. I love them. They're awesome. So oh, on no. that one, I'll let you share that with someone today. <laughs> I appreciate the chat and our chance to um, Wonderful. talk about storytelling. And so you've changed my approach and my thoughts Great. on it. So I appreciate that. Yeah. You didn't share the tool either, but then maybe that's, okay. that's... find out next week, folks. There you go. <laughs> All right. Have a good one. See Thanks, ya. Lindsay. Bye-bye. And that is a wrap for this episode of the Leverage Your Podcast Show. What is your next step? Head to leverageyourpodcastshow.com to listen to more episodes to get more insider secrets. And if you are now itching to take advantage of the power of podcasting and launch your own podcast, be sure to grab my free launch guide at launchyourpodcastguide.com. We'll see you soon.